Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Bear's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 6th of October, and my name is Helen Freer. On today's show, I'll be talking about the latest market news with my colleague, Mike Rauber. And I'm happy that Richard Tang, our head of research in Hong Kong, is also able to join us this morning. And I'm going to be getting his latest thoughts on China. But let's start with the market news. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Helen. So let's talk about the non-farm payroll report first. It's due out at 2.30pm today, Central European time. So depending on what sort of number we get, um, this could set interest rate expectations for the US Federal Reserve. What can you tell us about this, Mike? So just to first uh, take a step back quickly, job data earlier this week provided a mixed narrative, Helen. Job openings rose much more than expected, and yesterday's initial jobless claims at 207,000 were also very low, both indicating a still very strong labor market. But a measure of private employment from the firm ADP on Wednesday was the weakest since January 2021. And so today, we have the U.S. non-farm payroll figures, as you said. Economists expect that employers added 170,000 workers to their payroll in September and that the unemployment rate stayed at a very low 3.7%. Hourly earnings are seen to have risen 4.3% over the last year, and so keeping up with inflation. So how do you think the markets could react today? So yes, so if the job creation figures come in much better than expected, the market could view this as taking the U.S. central bank closer to raising rates in November. This could really shape markets in terms of higher treasury yields and a stronger US dollar, while equities being shunned by investors. But of course, if the number comes in lower or maybe as expected, we could see opposite moves and equity jumping. Although I must add that there are also some saying now that whatever the number is today, the recent rise in bond yields is doing the job for the US Federal Reserve as financing costs for businesses and consumers are rising. And so meaning the U.S. central bank does not have to raise rates further. And right now, the market is pricing in only a one in three chance that the U.S. central bank will actually raise rates in November. Right. So this number will be really important for market sentiment then. Oh, yes. Uh, So as one commentator put it somewhat proactively, we will see whether the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield goes to 4.5% or 5%. It is currently at 4.72%. And um, But what is really interesting, there are also some very big long and short bets out there on the future direction of interest rates. Now, according to the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, the open interest on federal funds futures has climbed to nearly 600,000 contracts. And now that's the largest number of outstanding contracts ever. These contracts are used to bet on monthly average levels of the interest rates the US central bank sets. So quite some market positioning there. Okay, so with people thinking about what to expect from today's employment report, I guess financial markets were in a wait and see mode yesterday. Yes, absolutely. There were little moves in the markets. Maybe the dollar, it gave up some ground, but overall uh, investors are waiting. Now, on a lighter note, I think you like Taylor Swift, Helen, right? I do, yes. So I heard that the AMC Entertainment is is indicated higher, so it's stock price, after the cinema chain said the concert film of Taylor Swift's The Eros Tour 
has sold more than $100 million in advance tickets globally. An incredible oh, wow. number. That's yes. amazing. Indeed. Now, we also have to talk about oil. It had its biggest one-day drop in a year on Wednesday, and yesterday it was down over 2% to now just uh, just above $82 a barrel. What's the story there? Yeah, indeed, it extended yesterday's the slump that already had been quite dramatic on Wednesday. Um, this is really amid ample supply, but also growth concern, which could reduce demand. There's also potentially big news from the oil industry in that ExxonMobil is reported to be in talks to buy Pioneer Natural Resources, and then they would become the, the dominant uh, producer of shale oil in the U.S. Now, a takeover could be worth as much as $60 billion, and it would be the largest takeover this year. Okay. Um, I've also seen there are reports about a meeting between the leaders of the U.S. and China. What do we know so far about this, Mike? Yeah, not too much, just that uh, the White House has now begun making plans for a November meeting, probably in San Francisco between President Xi Jinping and President Biden. Um, Hong Kong stocks, they're up 1.6% today, although still down for a fifth week in a row. But more insights from Richard in a minute, I'm sure. Okay, and anything else to mention before we move on? And just quickly, the Reserve Bank of in India left its base rate unchanged at 6.5% and said inflation is still a major risk as it expects uh, inflation to average 5.4% next year. Uh, Swiss employment uh, unemployment figures came in uh, very low at 2% and factory orders in Germany also uh, better than expected at plus 3.9%. Uh, gold, it is at $1,821 an ounce. It has fallen for nine straight days, I saw this morning. And this is really on the back of higher treasury yields. But we also had uh, Karsten Menke reporting on it on yesterday's podcast, if you want to listen in. And just to end, from my side, now if you want to watch one number to see how the market takes the employment report uh, today, watch how the 10-year U.S. treasury yield moves. It is at 4.72%. That's all from me and back to you, Helen. Great. Thanks very much, Mike, for the interesting roundup this morning. Thank you. And now, Richard, let's move over to you. Good morning, firstly. Hey, good morning, Helen. Great to have you on the podcast this morning. And we're going to talk a bit about China. So it's almost the end of the Golden Week holiday there. What can you tell us, Richard, about what you're seeing in terms of consumption and tourism trends in China? So traditionally, there are two Golden Week holidays in China, uh, one in May, uh, which is the Labor Day. And obviously, the one we're talking right now is uh, the one in October, uh, which is related to the National Day. Uh, and if we compare the numbers uh, of the two Golden Weeks, uh, I would be reasonably happy uh, to say that the numbers of the National Day Golden Week is slightly better than the uh, Labor Day Golden Week in May. Uh, so just to give you two numbers, uh, if we look at the passenger trips so far, um, is around 13% uh, above the 2019 level uh, over the same period. And for tourism revenue is uh, around 20% uh, above 2019 level. And these numbers are based on the official forecast uh, from the authority based on the numbers that they can see so far. So um, obviously the final numbers are uh, still to be out, but I think uh, from what we're tracking, uh, it does look like uh, things are um, reasonably fine. Uh, not super strong for sure, 
uh, but I think uh, they are satisfactory uh, to the market. Uh, the other example that I will share with you is obviously the Macau visitation um, for the reason that uh, a lot of mainland Chinese are uh, quite fond of uh, going to the Macau casinos uh, and the daily arrival in Macau is uh, 30% uh, more uh, compared to the Labor Day uh, Golden Week. So, so again, uh, a, a reasonable improvement. Um, also, duty-free sales uh, grew uh, 60% year in year, uh, so, so which is uh, uh, fairly strong. Uh, I think uh, more importantly, uh, the outbound travel is also gaining momentum. Uh, previous holidays are generally dominated by the domestic travel, but now we're seeing uh, people in China going out to the other countries. So hopefully uh, in Switzerland, you may see uh, some Chinese uh, uh, tourists as well. Okay, um, looking at the broader economy now, are you seeing any signs of improvement or is the economy still looking pretty weak? Uh, we at least uh, see some signs of stabilization, uh, if not improvement. So um, a couple of weeks ago when we had the August data uh, release, uh, I mean the monthly macro data, um, the industrial profits, uh, the credit numbers, and also the retail sales uh, for August generally pointing to uh, a fairly good stabilization. Uh, the one number that I personally most focus on uh, is the property sales. Um, the property sales had a rebound after the end of August uh, policy boost. Uh, you probably recall that uh, in the end of August, uh, we have a series of um, uh, stimulus measures for the property market, including uh, some removal of the home purchase restrictions uh, in the four, uh, in the four first tier cities. And um, the... The removal of the of the uh, home purchase restrictions uh, do have an impact. Uh, so we've seen the first one to two weeks in September uh, witnessing a surge in the transaction volume, uh, particularly with uh, the primary uh, transactions, uh, the prime uh, the new homes. I mean, uh, but uh, these um, uh, positive impact basically uh, faded uh, into the end of September. Uh, so. It looks like the policy measures still need to be more forceful uh, to have more sustainable impact. Uh, but at least uh, I think uh, we are uh, hopefully seeing a floor uh, in the in the data momentum. So at least uh, things have stopped uh, have stopped falling. Uh, but of course, uh, the bigger question from investors is when will the momentum um, uh, turning positive? When will the economy uh, becoming uh, more energetic and and uh, vibrant. Uh, I think um, we still think that the measures so far are baby steps, uh, so they are not substantial enough to bring back the animal spirit uh, in China. So uh, I think uh, we are still fairly cautious uh, in terms of how we predict um, the macro momentum going forward. Uh, there is one uh, feasible solution that we think may help uh, to, I wouldn't say turn around, but improve the Chinese economy significantly. Uh, which is uh, if the central government is willing to step up leverage, uh, willing to um, issue uh, central government bonds uh, and um, put the money uh, to work, whether that's consum consumption vouchers, whether that's uh, other uh, big bang stimulus, then it would help uh, to significantly improve the momentum uh, for both the consumers and also investors. But uh, it looks like the central government is unwilling to do that. So uh, we're basically maintaining a judgment that um, it looks like the, the Chinese economy momentum uh, hopefully has bottomed, uh, but we're not seeing a significant upward uh, energy. 
Okay, because the market performance has been pretty bad and has actually broken support levels. So how would you explain that? Yeah, it, it's sort of weird uh, because we're seeing the macro data coming in uh, firm uh, or at least um, uh, reasonable, but uh, the market just uh, kept uh, going lower. And the way I would explain it, uh, it might be weird to you, Helen, but um, we actually think that uh, the U.S. Treasury rates uh, um, increase uh, had an impact uh, on Chinese equities from a sentiment perspective. From a financial channel, from an economic channel, the impact is very, very limited uh, because uh, the linkage uh, is not as strong. But uh, every time we've seen a, a surge in the yields in the US Treasury, uh, when it caused global equity market weakness, uh, both the Asia market and also uh, the Hong Kong listed Chinese stocks uh, will indeed uh, go down together uh, as a sort of a sentimental linkage. Uh, and we also aware that uh, some of the mutual funds are probably seeing some redemption pressure. Uh, so there's a little bit of capitulation going on. Uh, and the one that's still happening in the background is that uh, we're still seeing uh, foreign investors uh, leaving uh, the Hong Kong China market sort of permanently because of um, different reasons uh, that uh, you always see uh, in the in the news article. So uh, our view on the Chinese market right now is that we think uh, downside is still relatively well buffered by the very, very cheap valuation in the market um, by hopefully a stabilizing uh, momentum uh, reaching its, its floor uh, and also the fact that um, the positioning uh, is is fairly low. But I guess uh, downside is, is not the one the, the thing that we're focusing on. Uh, we're actually more focusing on whether we have upside with the Chinese market. And unfortunately, uh, our view is that upside is fairly, fairly limited uh, because of the arguments I had on the economy. So uh, in terms of the Asian dedicated investors with a strong home bias, um, we we agree that if they if they want to keep sort of a, a percentage in China as a home bias, but we strongly encourage them to think of uh, diversification uh, out of the Hong Kong China market. Uh, and as for global investors, uh, actually our suggestion may be more direct, uh, simply to uh, reduce the exposure on the Chinese market uh, further. Uh, if you are interested in picking one or two stocks, one or two sectors uh, in the Chinese market, uh, we still like uh, electric vehicles, uh, we still like um, uh, dividend stocks. Uh, and for some of the uh, investors who have higher risk appetite, uh, we, we recommend the sale enterprises in the second half of the year. So uh, that's roughly our view uh, for both the global and also the uh, Asian dedicated investors. Excellent. Thanks very much, Richard. Great to get an update from you this morning. Thank you, Helen. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guests this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you'd like to listen on. We'd really love to hear your feedback. And do join us again next week. I will be back on Monday talking to more of my colleagues about what is moving markets. So have a great day, everyone. And then I wish you all a great weekend. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. 
Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Baer experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.